are now listening to an inspirational message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where Dr. Michael Wesley Sr. is pastor. Please join the service in progress. represented us so well last Sunday at Sunday's best. Let's give them a round of applause. Amen. Amen. Prepare our hearts now for the morning message. I want to take you back old school here. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And say the rest like me. You knew it was preaching time when you heard that song. Amen. And that's where I want to take us now. Come on, stand with me. Come on, you sing it, everybody together. Amazing. for this privilege and opportunity for worship. Thank you for blessing us with another week's journey and for bringing us to this moment now. Pray now for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Pray for understanding of divine truth and clarity of thought. Pray that you would speak to us and through us in this moment of sharing. Bless now the words that are in our mouth and the meditations that are on our heart that it may be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are our strength and you are our redeemer. 
Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God. Gospel chapter 10 last week, and this is really part two of it. Um, we sent our young people to Eros, Louisiana on a mission, and it just got me thinking and feeling about what is that missionary call and what are those important things about it, and Jesus gave us the answer here in Matthew chapter 10. So last time we looked at verses 5 through 7, but when I looked at the context of it all, it actually goes from verse 5 all the way to verse 15. And so I want to just read that for you, 5 through 15, with the Simonic spotlight focusing the day more in chapter verses 8 through 15. But to set it all in our minds, these words are written. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor ailment, aver, Silver, should I say? I'm sorry, that's bad. Nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatever city or house or town you shall enter, inquire who is it worthy who in it is worthy and there abide till you go thence and when you come into a house salute it and if the house be worthy let your peace come upon it but if it be not worthy let your peace return to you and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm still talking about the missionary call. That's the meat subject. But today's subtopic for our message this morning is marks of a missionary. Marks of a missionary. Because I, I, I think we all have been called. The context says specifically these men at that time in that particular era. But we understand ultimately God continues to expand his reach. He's not limiting what he's up to to one period in human history. You would remember earlier that Jesus looked at the crowd, and he had compassion, and Matthew has gathered all of the evidence to demonstrate that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. 
But then in that ninth chapter, he makes a transition by helping us to understand. He looks at the end of it all and he said, the harvest is plenteous. He said, but the laborers are few. In other words, he sees the judgment is coming. And he sees that the job of gathering in people before the judgment comes is too much for one individual, even himself. And so he recruits disciples. That's what a call is. His recruitment mechanism by which he summons people to join him in his redemptive work on the earth. And every day we can see the hand of God's judgment already moving. You, you can see it in the temperatures that are beyond the records in America. You, you can see it in the weather, the tornadic activities and the floods in places like Vermont. You can see it in the reversal of, of the attacks of nature's creatures against human. More shark attacks than ever before. Alligators running out the swamp after little old ladies. All kinds of things. The hearts of fathers are against their sons and the hearts of children are against their parents. Wars and rumors of wars everywhere all point to the signs of the coming of the judgment of God. What we miss in that process is that the judgment is already there on this nation because it is the judgment of abandonment. God has taken his hand off. And as a result of him taking his hand off, we see constantly a downward spiral in American life. Once a proud nation that boasted in God we trust. But now we are saying in Trump we trust. How different is that? And you think God is not calling? He is calling men. He is calling women. He is calling boys. He is calling girls. God needs young people to stand up in schools. God needs young people to stand up on playgrounds. God needs family members to say, hey, enough of that. Calm down. Let's get together. We are solving our problems with gunfire. People get mad. They don't want to talk about it. They want to just kill somebody. God is calling. And what we've got to understand is what is it that he's calling men to do? And what are the identifying marks of that call? And to say what is that God wants from us. I said last week that, you know, when I was a kid, I felt that I was called. But no one could give me a satisfactory answer as to what did that mean. I thought God literally was going to open heaven and say, Michael, this is God, and I'm calling you. But that is not what happened. That is not what God does. God plants in your mind an idea, a thought that you cannot shake. At first, you think you can. You try to push it away. You try to hide from it. You try to dismiss it. But it keeps coming back. And it comes back continually until you get to the place that you can't help. And then you find out that it really was God who was moving on your heart all along. And that's what he did. Now, the difference in us and the disciples of Jesus, these 12 men, Jesus literally went to them and said, come follow me. 
and I will make you to become fishers of men. He went to the tax collector's office. Come follow me and I will make you become. Now, he may not have showed up at your door and knocked and said, this is Jesus. I'm calling you to come follow me. But through the preaching of the gospel and the reading of the word and the hearing of the word and the assessment of the situation around you, you know God is calling. Is there somebody here this morning who is under the illusion that God may not be wanting to call you? At first, you won't, don't want to do it because you think of your own sinfulness and your own weakness. And you say to people, no, I don't want to tell nobody. God is calling me because I may mess up. And if I mess up, then I know that I got that got you crowd that's willing to say, aha, gotcha. And so we don't want to come forward, but that still doesn't stop God. Because God, listen at this, qualifies the unqualified. None of these 12 were qualified. He was a cussing, fussing, fighting man like Peter, but God called him. He was a quiet, reserved guy like Andrew, but God called him. He was a doubting man like Thomas, but God called him. He was a betrayer named Judas, but God called him. And God calls you too. And what did he tell them? He gave them, he gave them, he, when he called them, the text says in verse 2 and verse 5 that uh, he, he commanded them to go out. And we enumerated that last time. That's not just a command, it was a commission. He commissioned them. And what that means is they went out under orders. They would, they would, that's what a call, a call is a demand laid on you by God as to how you're going to use your time. That means he gives you orders and you are commanded to do it. He said it's a military term. It's not only a military term, it's a medical term. Doctors command you, if you want to be well, you follow this prescription. It's a literary term. And if you're going to follow the rules of composition and writing, then you have to do it this way. So he gave them a, 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 a commission. And he gives us a commission. He gives us a, a, a demand. And we're under the orders of God to go into the world. Now, secondly, what he did, he gave them a clear objective. He gave them specifics. So that they wouldn't be lost. He said, listen, when you go, he said, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. But go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, we said to you before that I'm just reviewing a little bit that it wasn't that he wasn't concerned about the Gentiles. It wasn't that God wasn't concerned about the Samaritans. But God knew the place of the Jews. And the Jews is where salvation began. They had been the chosen people of God from time, from all when God reached in the Ur of Chaldea and called Abram. God told him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And in you, all of the families of the earth would be blessed. Meaning, I'm going to bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world through your family. So the Jews always had a prevalent place. So God wanted them to make sure that they were saved first. Right? And then God knew the problem of the disciples. The problem of the disciples is they were not ready to go dealing with Samaritans. They had a long-standing prejudice in their hearts. Jews hated Samaritans and to send these ill-equipped men to the Samaritans who would probably instantly reject anything they had to say would only cause them even more fury. And they were unequipped for that. And may I tell you that God knows your limitations too. So he doesn't give you an assignment that you cannot be successful in. He tailor makes the assignment and puts limits on it so that you can be successful 
and what he gives you to do. So what does he say? He says, start at home. Start among your own folk. That's the hardest place. Talk to your own children. Talk to your own family. Talk to your own cousin, them. Talk to Nene, Quisha, all of them. Get them going. That's what he says. Gave very specific objectives. And then he gave them a clear message. As you go, preach the gospel of the kingdom. Announce to the world that there is a king and there is a kingdom and there is but one way to come into the kingdom. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Announce it as you go. People still need to hear that today. People still need, you, but, but you got you got all kind of people who are going and they're preaching all kinds of things. You got this group over here, they're preaching hate, they're, pre- they're preach, preaching prejudice, they're preaching war, they're, they're preaching power, they're preaching political power, they're preaching all kinds of things. But he said, as you go, preach the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And then where I left off last time is he gave them credentials. And so here's what I want to start with this morning. I want to visit right there and let you know that you got to have confirming credentials. This is the mark of a missionary. Now, this is where I want to really drill in for the morning. Missionaries have a distinctive mark. This, this was an apostolic age when Jesus was speaking. And he says some things particular to them. He says, as you go, not only preach, he says, but, but, but heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Now, I know you and I may not be able to walk into a hospital room and put our hands on nobody and heal them. And we might not know lepers, so we might not be able to cleanse them. But what is that? It's a mark. It's a mark of one who has been truly sent. What is that mark? It is the mark of compassion. It is, it is, and that's, that's what that was intended to be even for them. It was to be a, a demonstration of the compassion and mercy of God. As you go, show that you are compassionate and you are merciful toward those who are hurting. Now, you don't have to cleanse nobody. You don't have to heal nobody. But you can be compassionate. Because the opposite of a disciple is an incompassionate person. A person who has no feeling of sorrow or concern about anyone else. Not concerned about sick people. Not concerned about those who have been outcast. And so the confirming sign of a person who has been sent by God is they are going to be compassionate, merciful people. Did not Jesus say, blessed are the merciful He's always concerned about the least of these. That's why I see it so clear when I look at the government and all of the stuff that goes on in the world. Compassionless people who are not concerned about the plight and the hurt and the pain and the concerns of people. But those who are truly sent by God. The mark will be compassion and mercy. You you can know it. You can know it when you meet folk. You can know who's of God and who's not. Because you're going to see that mark show up. Or it's not going to be there. There's a second mark, or should I say, characteristic of this credential. Why did they need these credentials first? I guess I need to beg up and just say that. Why did they need credentials? They needed these credentials because of, of, of who sent them. They were going into an unbelieving world. 
and they needed to have the signs that demonstrate that they were truly sent from God. Because what would that do? It would cause people to believe them. Listen, when you go to a doctor, you look on his wall. And he or she have credentials up there. They tell you the school that they've gone to. They tell you the medical exams and all of those things so that you can believe that they have the expertise to tell you what you need. And in that unbelieving world, what would cause people to believe Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and Thomas, and all of those boys? Because them boys could, could heal the sick and they could cleanse the lepers. It confirmed that they were from God. So when people see you and they see the compassion and the mercy that you have, they know you're from God. Look at the second thing here. Not only did they were told to cleanse, the, uh, heal the sick and cleanse the lepers, but in that same verse, he told them, he said, he said, he said, cast out demons and raise the dead. What is that a marker? It's a mark of power, baby. It takes power to interrupt the kingdom of darkness. You got to come with power when you're dealing with demon-possessed folk. Devil don't respect weaklings. Listen, man, that was a guy, my man, one time who, who, was, who was going to the academy, police academy, and he flunked out of the academy. He flunked out of the academy because of his voice. When they got to, the, to, when they got to teaching them about making a command to arrest, he said, stop in the name of the law. <laughs> Now, what, what criminal <laughs> is going to respect that? You got to have some authority in, in that voice. You got to demonstrate that there's some power behind what you're doing. Oh, when you come up to say, will you please leave? <laughs> no, some, sometimes you, you have, get thee behind me, Satan. You, you have to come with some, with some power. And, and, and power was the mark. The power was the mark of Jesus. He stood up and he said, winds and waves, shut up. Peace be still. And they had to shut up. Call the devil out. Come out of there. The devil had to come out. And he turns right around and he gives that power to his men as he is sending them out. They're going on a short term trip. Maybe a week or two. Not long. This is before the Great Commission where he sends them into all of the world. But he gives them a taste of what they are going to need when they get in that warfare. Now, what did the Apostle Paul say to us in Ephesians chapter 6? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against the rulers of the darkness. And you have to be able to take authority over that stuff. It's, it's, an, it's an essence, the mark of power. And the life of a Christian, the life of a missionary person who is sent by God, there's going to be a display of power. Listen, if a preacher has been truly sent, that's going to be power. What, is, what that power going to be? He, he may not be able to raise physically dead, but somebody spiritually dead is going to come alive. Some demon possessed, some person who has been going the wrong way. Life is going to get turned around because of the power of the gospel, the truthfulness that's inherent in the word of God. It's going to make a mark. And the demonstration, the display of that power is going to say that this is a man or a woman who has been sent by God. But that's the third thing. Third mark this year. And, and look, at, look at what Jesus says to them. He says, uh, now, as you go, he says to them, he said, um, uh, when, you, 
in that verse 8, he said, not only cast out the devils, but freely you have received and freely give. What is that? It's going to be the mark of unselfishness. You'll know a man or woman who has been sent by God because of the unselfish behavior. Listen, look, the power is coming from God. Jesus is the one who's giving these boys the power, right? Jesus gave us the power. We don't get the power because we go to seminary. We may get a little learning. We may get a little something, but the burning come from him. You understand? The, the power comes from him. It's his power. So what you look like charging somebody for his power? Freely you have been given. Freely you give. Now, 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 I don't charge people for ministry. I never have in the 40 plus years that I've been preaching. I've never charged anybody for any sermon or any service. Now, if you freely give it, then that's up to you. But I don't set no price. Because the moment you start setting a price, you start pricing yourself out of the blessing of God. Because when it's been freely given and then it's freely received, you know where it has come from. But also, you also see in this world that you got a whole lot of folk that are not unselfish, that are very selfish. You know, but this this what this is what Jesus was saying to these boys. He said, "Listen, don't don't you don't you go out trying to make a fortune." Now they easily could have. You think about this. This was a demon possessed world. There were many families who had sons and daughters who were demon possessed. Now imagine the disciples going out, and they said, "Okay, you you got a daughter that's that's demon possessed. Okay, for me to get that that devil out of her is gonna cost you this." They could have made a fortune. If I'm going to heal that leper over there that nobody else would touch, then I'm going to charge you such and such. Are y'all listening to me? Because you know that you got all of these folk out here that are running around trying to charge the socks off of folk. But they're also demonstrating that they're not necessarily of who? Of God. Because Jesus made it clear. Freely you can receive this power. So freely you do what? Give to this power. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't get paid because that's another principle. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But I'm talking about the charge for the ministry because that's what he's saying to these boys. When you go out, be unselfish in what you're doing. And understand that. That if I bless you with it, then I'll take care of you. Okay, because that's the, that's the third or the fourth mark, should I say, as we, as we come into this credential thing, would be a confident faith. Look, 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 look at verse 9. Got to keep my glasses nearby. I want you to see the scripture. He's telling them now, when you go, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purse. Now, all of these are coinage, gold coins, silver coins. Brass coins or copper coins. That's money. When you go, don't go out thinking that you got to fund your own ministry. Look at that. Because God is going to be the one who supplies. If he supplies the power, he don't want these guys going out with the wrong mindset. And you don't go out with the wrong mindset. You don't go out with the mindset that this is supposed to be profitable to me. The idea is not the profit. The idea is the service. The idea is the ministry. The idea is the meeting of the need. Broken, hurting people need their needs met. You got deals made back room. You got deals made on the golf course. You got deals made in the halls of Congress and buying supreme justices. So God doesn't want his man or woman going out with that same worldly mindset. 
Don't, 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 don't load up on this and so that you got some model or method of, of trade and mechanism to suit your own purpose. Represent me is what he's talking about. So you have to have confident faith. What is the confident faith? Because look, look, it's, it's in the next verse, it's in 10. He said, no, don't, don't, don't take not only money, but verse 10, don't take script for your journey, neither two coats, nor shoes, nor staffs, for here it is, here's the principle. For the workman is worthy of his meat. God says, if you labor right, then I'll make sure that I'll move on the hearts of the people and the people will do it. You don't have to try to finagle and work and try to undermine and cut corners and all of those things. Just be faithful in carrying the word because the word also say, Paul said in 1 Timothy, he said, uh, the laborer who works in that word is worthy of double honor. Matter of fact, he also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, don't put a muzzle over the ox that treads out the corn. You want to feed your workhorse or your animal so that he can get the work done. You don't want him worrying about that. See, Jesus made it clear. This is what the confident faith is. Don't, don't you accumulate and take and go out where you got to make it work. You just go and be faithful. Because if you're faithful, then you'll be worthy of whatever it is. And I'll move on the hearts of the people. And they'll do what's necessary. So I want you to understand the marks. That man has a confident faith. he got to be confident in, the, in trusting God to deliver. And God to supply. Isn't that what it, what it says? And my God, this is what Paul told the Philippians. And my God shall supply what? All, not some, not part, but all of your need according to. Now, let me, I don't explain this before, but I need to say it one more time. Listen to what he said. He said, I will supply your need according to his riches and glory, not out of. There's a difference in according to and out of. If a wealthy man was going to give me out of his wealth, he may give me $5 and it would be out of his wealth. But if he gave me something according to his wealth, he might have to give me $50,000. And so when God supplies your need according to his riches, not out of, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be wonderfully blessed. How many want an out of blessing? <laughs> or according to blessing I want the according to blessing amen amen according to his riches and glory so you can have confident faith you can trust God that's what the missionary is supposed to do the mission minded man a woman who's sent by God not to make his own deal just go on and trust God to take care of everything then I want you to see something else here in the, in the, in the next verse here. And this is the, the, the seventh principle. I want to give you these two and I'll be, be done for the morning. And in the whatever city or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy and there abide until you leave. Now what, what I call this, I call this the, 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 the mark of of, of, of commitment, of a settled commitment. It's the mark of a settled commitment. In other words, when you go, he's telling these boys, when you go into a town, you, you inquire, find out who in the town is worthy. That is, who has good character, because you got to be careful where you stay. You do know that where you are, where you hang around, will reflect you. Can I help you? I remember one time, man, they, they called me, man, to preach down in one of the little towns, man, and they put me up in a hotel. And when I came in from church that night, man, you know, I, I saw this crowd out in front of the little, little, little motel. It was about 20 trucks lined up, and I saw all these ladies out there. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what was happening. So I said, no, I got to get out of here. 
I can't, can't stay in here because see, somebody know that I'm in town to preach. And they see me going in there. They may think that I'm, what, a part of that traffic. See, that was an unworthy place. So, so when, you, when you go, they see, in those days, and they ain't going back, you got to know in the apostle days, they didn't have holiday inns and they didn't have um, uh, the Western and they didn't have the, the Renaissance and all of that. So they stayed in people's houses. I, rem- I remember even when I was a kid growing up, man, when my uncle and them would come down from Detroit and we would go up to Detroit, we didn't stay in hotels. We stayed with folk, with family. Now, I done been in some places, man, where it wasn't worthy. Can I tell you? Man, I, I, was in a, I was in a room one time, man, man, and I went to the restroom, and I'm standing up minding my own business, and a great big old rat this tall. He was standing there, too. I'm serious, man. I stomped my foot, and he stomped back. I left out of there wet. <laughs> On where the place? Uh, even when we went, even this past time when we went to when we went to uh, Greece and we went down through the old town of Ephesus, man, they went. They showed us the, the the bathroom, what used to be the bathroom, and they were all sitting there right beside one another. No petitions, no nothing. It's just it was just amazing. It was a mess. When I went to China, man, that was a hole. They had a set of footprints. And you bagged up to the footprints. Now those were unworthy conditions. So all I'm trying to do is to illustrate for you that there is a such thing as a worthiness and an unworthiness. And so you got to be careful where you choose to be. So when you go in, what Jesus was saying, when you go into a town, you inquire who in that town is worthy. And once you decide that this is where you're going to be, then don't go shopping around for the best deal. You stay where God has put you until you leave. And if people are worthy, you look at what he says in the next verse. He says in the next verse, when you go into that house, and salute that house. And if the people in there are worth, you pour out your blessing there. The typical Jewish greeting was shalom, which meant peace, or the blessing of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God. And that's what you ought to be doing. That's what we should do. Even when we go visiting people, you should go with the intent of blessing that house. Now, if you walk in there and they got unworthy activity going, it's better to get out of there. I just tell my sons when they first went away home to school, I said, man, when you go to a party, don't go in there and start jumping. Go in that party and put your back to the wall and walk around and listen at what you hear. If you hear guys fussing and arguing, look like they're getting ready to fight, get out of there. Don't wait till it starts. Get out of there. So you can know when something is worth your while being there. And you can know when it's time to exit. Now, if you go into somebody's house, if you're traveling and you go to somebody's house and they put you up somewhere, then remain there if it's a worthy place. And if it's not, then you do something different. But be the idea here is to be content. Don't go in and say, okay, you stand with these people, these people, and they're trying to feed you their little meat of grits and eggs and whatever they give. You know, don't be looking for somebody else who live up on the mountain and got eight swimming pools and all of that stuff. You don't have to do that. God just wants you to learn how to be all right because you're on a temporary assignment. It's not your home. It's just where you are in the interim time. Boy, my mom was a stickler for that stuff, but she just would not stay anywhere. 
And she told my daddy one time, man, we riding on the highway. Now, Henry, you got to find me a clean restroom. Because she just wasn't going to go anywhere. Are you understanding? So, and when you find somewhere, right, then be content, be settled in that. That's the mark of a missionary. That's the mark of a, of, of a person who knows that they have been sent, they've been trusting God. And then look at verse 12. I want to close here in just a minute here, but I want you to see this one more principle here, mark of a missionary. And when you come into a house, salute it, bless that house. And if the house be worthy, then let your peace come upon it. But look at this. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. In other words, you, 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 you bless the house. If you go in it and people are doing, they're trying to do, they want to learn, they want to give, they want to be, you bless that house. But if you go in there and they don't want to hear it, then you, you, you return your peace to you. <laughs> you pull it back. You don't want people to think that you are trying to bless somebody who don't want to be blessed. And let me just, let me go on a little further because that's what the next verse says. And I'll tie it all together here in this last verse, verse 15. And verily I say unto you, now verse 14, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Now, that was a common practice in Israel during those times. When the Jews traveled outside of Palestine into Gentile territory, they wore sandals and they would get a lot of dust on them. So when they came back into the land of Israel, just before they came in, they shake off the dust because they didn't want to bring the defilement from somewhere else back into their homeland. Now, I, man, I led with one of my brothers here in the choir, man, you know it is. But one time, man, he went to a hotel, and, and they had some bugs in them beds. And, and it messed with it, messed, messed my bed, you know. And sometimes you have to learn how to shake stuff off you. Sometimes you can be around people who have bad spirits. And you have to learn how to shake that stuff off you, man. That's why you have to be careful where you let your children go and who they hang with and all of that thing like that because people can have some bad influences, man, and you have to learn how to shake things off. Look, pastors sometimes be trying to beat people into submission. No, listen, what I want to do, I want to preach to people who want to hear and who want to learn and people who want to hear and who want to learn. I want to pour out everything I got into those people so that they can learn and grow. But if you choose that you don't want to hear, guess what I'm going to do? I got some shaking shoulders and I got some shaking feet and I've learned how to shake stuff off. How many know there are things sometimes you have to shake off you? Sometimes you have to let arguments roll off your back. Sometimes you have to let things that people say to you go in another place. You don't get hung up and lost in every wrong situation. So the idea is to, is to be content on those places that you can be content in and reject those situations that prove to be contemptuous. Those things where people don't want to hear, let it on. Don't force it. Don't make yourself sick. And don't allow other people to make you sick. You know, it's really the truth, don't you? Some people have said, you make me sick. And they literally do because they allow those things to inhabit them and they literally become upset and offended by it. Practical advice, Wesley Axiom 101. Nobody should live up here rent free. You don't have to allow that kind of behavior. You don't have to allow people who are offensive to continually offend you. That's what shaking the dust off is all about. 
is rejecting that that is contemptuous or offensive to you. When there's a demonstration that there's no desire for it, let it go. Let it go. There was a man once and I threw 3 a.m. in the morning he showed up at a mission house. He was to meet the missionary president who was going to send him out on a mission. And the man told him to be there at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he stayed in the cold waiting on the missionary president to come. The man didn't come to 8 o'clock in the morning. And when he did come, he sat down with the man. He said, come on in. He said, I need to ask you a few questions. And he said, um, spell Baker. And the man said, Baker, B-A-K-E-R. He said, okay, good. He said, um, what's two times two? And he said, four. And he said, great. He said, you passed. He said, you can go now. He said, come back such and such date and you'll start your mission trip. And so the people asked the mission president, said, wait a minute, you didn't even examine this man. He said, yes, I did. He said, how in the world did you examine him? He said, I told him, I gave him a test of patience. I told him to be here at 3 a.m. at 3 a.m. and he was here at 3 a.m. even though I didn't show up to 8 a.m. I tested his patience. I told him simple questions that I knew that a little child could even answer. But he answered my questions without offense. He's definitely qualified to go on this mission trip. He has the right mindset. He has the right attitude. He has the right patience. He has the right understanding. All I'm saying, my brothers, is sometimes... You may not even know what God is doing. He's testing you. He's getting you set up for a greater mission. But sometimes he starts you with simple things. With things that you could very easily become offended about. Because you think it's beneath you and it's not worthy of who you are. But God is looking at it. He's looking at your response. And he's saying to you, you either pass or fail. I don't know what the next assignment is, but I know this, that if I stay faithful to the few things, God will make me ruler over the many. How do I know it? Because I know what kind of God he is. What kind of God is he? He's a precious God. He's a loving God. He's a wonderful God. He's a mighty God. He's an awesome God. He's a wise God. He's too wise to make mistakes and too just to do wrong. He looks beyond our faults. He sees our needs. He sets us up. It's a setup, baby. It's a setup. God is setting you up for your next assignment. Oh, how precious is the name of Jesus. He knew what he wanted these boys to do. He was getting Peter ready for Pentecost. He was getting Philip ready for Samaria. He was getting these guys ready for the greater assignment. Testing their faithfulness. Doors open, doors of the church open. We got to go this morning, so now we're going to give you an opportunity. Make good on your faith. You trust Jesus, want to trust him as your Lord and Savior, come now. Doors open, the choir's going to sing. Anytime during the singing of the song, give God your heart. Give one of these your hand. And let's walk. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's learn together. And let's let God send you out. Doors open. Doors open. Just call on the name of Jesus. And watch to see what he does. <laughs> when you're lonely, 
stand with me? We're closing now. Lord, I want to be a Christian. We're going home. Sunday school follows. And we want you to go there. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. You have been listening to a message from the Greater Shallow Missionary Baptist Church, where we are reaching the world for Christ. Located at 2135 Jefferson Avenue Southwest, Birmingham, Alabama 35211. For a copy of a CD or DVD, you can reach us at 205-925-5972 or visit us on the web at www.greatershallow.org. For an uplifting message, please join us for the next broadcast.